Welcome to the Rehab Rebels podcast. Are you a rehab professional ready to transition to an alternative career? Hear inspiring stories from others just like you and learn the best ways to bridge your career gap. This podcast has you covered. Now here's your host, doctor of physical therapy and podcaster, Tanner Welsh. Hello, welcome back to another episode of Rehab Rebels. This episode is part four of the Transition Journey mini-series where we're exploring life alignment. If you haven't yet listened to the previous episodes, go back to the Transition Journey 1 episode, which is episode 40, and go through them in order. They'll build on each other and it'll make more sense. So the goal with this life alignment episode is for you to have both clarity and a guide regarding creating a life that aligns with your unique self leading to a more aligned career, better sense of purpose, and more fulfillment in life. And what I'm going to do with this episode is actually share a couple stories from some guests that have been interviewed on the show. The first guest is Meredith Caston. She is the creator and owner of the non-clinical PT from episode 27. The second individual is Lauren Shipper. She's a former PT who now makes dice. Towards the end, we'll break down, you know, what they learn from their experiences and from their stories, how their experience applies to our lives, and how you can start your life alignment journey. Before we get into that, I want to ask you a question. Feel free to pause and take as much time as you need to think about it. And the question is, what is the most valuable thing in your life? Some things that may come to mind are maybe money, your house, Maybe you have a business or a nice 401k stashed away. Maybe you have kids. And if you've listened to episode 10, the personal finance for healthcare professionals episode, you already know where I'm going with this. The most valuable thing that we have is actually our time. I want to give a pretty simple analogy with how we spend our time is similar with how we spend money. Spending money on a service or a product, you know, to solve a problem a need or a desire is voting with our dollars that, yes, we agree that this product or service solves our issues or our needs or our desires. And we can even take it a step further and say, you know, we agree with how this product is produced, maybe how the materials are sourced or how it's constructed. It's similar with how we also spend our time. So by spending our time with someone, we are saying time spent with this person is worth it. It's, it's worth our time to spend with this individual or this group of people, etc. And this has happened several times in my life, but if our time is spent in a passive way willy-nilly and we're not being intentional, then we have to ask ourselves, is it really aligning with our life? And we'll talk in the next episode of the mini-series about loving ourselves, mindfulness, mindset, belief systems, which I think will help bring also some more clarity with being more intentional and decisions about how to spend or who to spend our time with. Don't get me wrong, this doesn't mean that spending time on you or doing what you enjoy or downtime doing nothing is not intentional. Those are great things. We all need to unplug and find ways to relax and unwind. But by paying attention to you know what fills us up and what drains us is a really simple guide to help us decide what and how to spend our time. And if you listened to the previous episode about what is your why in episode 43. At the end of it, I have a call to action, a little bit of an exercise to help you 
guide you with directions in your life. So again, the episodes build on each other. So let's dive into the stories here. The first one we'll talk about is Meredith Caston's story, the founder and creator of the Non-Clinical PT. To listen to her full episode, go back to episode 27. We have a pretty deep dive into her story and journey and some realizations about the industry, the rehab, the healthcare industry. Some things about Meredith. She actually was a graphics design major, and that was actually her first career was being a, working in the graphic design space. And she had a great experience with a physical therapist, and that led her to pursuing a career down the physical therapy path. But after five years of treating patients and just being burnt out, not having any energy and having a really bad experience with a VIP patient, she realized that she didn't want to be a physical therapist. This wasn't a long-term thing that she was going to be able to do until she retires. So she was looking for ways out of the profession. And there were some writing opportunities that came up for what was then the new grad physical therapy website. And she was posting content, writing content, and she actually had individuals reaching out to her, asking her, how can I do what you do? How can I be a writer and produce content on a website? So that's a short summary with how her journey started with creating the non-clinical PT. But let's break down what she learned. Meredith learned that she deserved to be treated better than what the PT environment was providing her, you know, both from the standpoint of just feeling drained and always on all the time and then having a really bad experience with a VIP patient. She knew she had to find something else. I want to share a clip from our episode here that I think really helps bring home to a point about her story. Yeah, that's a good question because I never saw myself as a writer. The, the funny thing is I come from a family of writers in some sense. Both of my parents were educators. My mom was an English major. And and then I had a grandfather who was a professional writer. So I probably should have thought a little bit about this, but I never thought I was a very good writer, except that there were really random things that would happen that I probably should have paid more attention to in college. I remember I pulled an all-nighter writing a 15-page paper, and I thought I was going to flunk it, and then got called to the front of the class to to talk about it. And then there was this other project that I wrote that they wanted me to read it for the class. And then same thing, I got a, a scholarship to PT school based on the essay that I wrote. And I was no stellar candidate, but I think I wrote a really good essay. So I never really thought that I had this stellar talent. I knew I could write, but I never thought that I had enough to make a career of it, nor did it. I don't know. I don't know why. And then the interesting thing is I had this first career right out of undergrad where I was a graphic and web designer. And I remember at one point they had a severe writer shortage at this firm where I was working. I was just trying to be helpful. And I was like, if y'all need some help with writing content, I can write a little bit. And so they pulled me over and I wrote and I remember the editor was, you're pretty good at this. And I was just, oh, really? And so even that had happened and I didn't, I still didn't put the dots together. I was not connecting the dots, but I know I wrote a really funny email to one of my friends about a Vegas trip gone sideways <laughs> so at one point she was, you should do this for a living. So that clicked something in my brain thinking, maybe I could. I guess I've got a little bit of a, a knack for this. And so I think when my friend slash coworker had said, we're starting this blog, do you want to try your hand at it? I was, okay, I've been told a few times that I can do this and I want to try it. I'll take anything at this point. I did it for free. It felt like I was getting paid to do any of this. and But it was just anything to get out at that point. I'm so glad I did because I feel that really launched my non-clinical career in a lot of ways. Where Meredith's story really, I think, comes full circle is when we look into her past. She enjoyed writing growing up at a young age, but she never thought that this could actually be a real career. 
she later had opportunities, you know, to write for colleagues and websites, which brought on more opportunities. And also she was able to practice and improve her skill. And eventually talking with those individuals that wanted to do what she did and informally mentoring them, that's how she got where she is today with creating the non-clinical PT. So that's Meredith's story. We'll go on to Lauren Shipper's story. Lauren had some cultural societal pressures to have a doctorate degree. She pursued being a physical therapist and she realized she didn't want to be a PT due to the poor management, poor organization of the company she was working with. And then she just felt she wasn't being treated the way she felt she should be treated. And the pandemic hit and that's when fuel on the fire and it it just was too much. So she actually started a hobby in 2019 making dice. And because of the pandemic, she ended up switching really full time to making dice around the pandemic. And what she learned from her experience was one reason she chose PT was she was told that this is a flexible schedule. This is a career where you can have a flexible schedule. And she realized pretty quickly that this actually wasn't the case. And that's why she likes making dice is because she can make her own schedule and it is flexible and she doesn't have to reschedule patients or she doesn't have to see patients on the weekend, right? Let's listen to a clip from Lauren from her interview to help drive a point home here as well. So here's the, the clip from Lauren. That I'm just an art kid. I think I've always been meant to do art. When I was working until 9 p.m. at night and I couldn't even come home and like cook, which I now realize is creating something with my hands and having a tangible product. That what put me down of really hating that job. I couldn't create anything. I had no time. And once I got a different job and I was able to start cooking again, and I was able to start doing my hobbies again, like crochet. Downstairs, I have three crochet projects and a needlepoint project going on right now. I am always making something with my hands. And I think I should have just admitted that to myself a long time ago. My senior year of high school, I could have had more free periods, but instead I took 10 periods of art. I took ceramics and black and white photography. And my friends were like, you could come hang out with us. I was like, no, I need to go throw some ceramics right now. This is what I want to be doing. It's not a high pressure situation. I did go to a private school for high school. So then, of course, you go off to college and then you find your career and then you go to grad school for that career. And then your parents are doctors. So you're supposed to be something, too. It's just you, you follow the path that seems like the right one. Because you don't become a professional artist. That's not a thing. And dice making is art, I've come to realize, because for a while I was, oh, no, I'm just making dice. I'm making art. They're just functional art. Tiny resin art. So a uh, recap here. She believed that she was, you know, supposed to be an artist. She's the oldest daughter of two doctors, and she's a caregiver, and thought she was supposed to, to get a doctorate degree. And coming from a, a family that expects graduate school, that's what you do. Looking back, she mentions that she was the weird artsy kid growing up, but she didn't completely realize it until she fully switched over to making dice full time. And that's really where it came full circle for her is I love doing this weird artsy stuff as a kid. And then when she finally did that hobby and was able to find customers that wanted to pay her for her skill set and making these dice and doing it, that's when things started clicking and the light bulb came on. Oh man, this is really what I'm supposed to be doing. She likes dice making because it's different. She's working with her hands. She's got a flexible schedule. And she also didn't give up. I think that's really important with her journey and story. She actually tried uh, a handful of other side gigs and hobbies that didn't end up actually panning out or she wasn't able to make any money from it. And then she stumbled on dice making and found people that were willing to pay for what she enjoys doing, which is making dice. So that's pretty cool. 
Next, we'll talk about how their experiences apply to our lives. For both of their experiences and for many of us, there's cultural and societal, even family pressures and norms or influences that we feel that we need to follow. And simple examples, go to college, get a good education, find a sure, a secure, stable job that pays well, and then your life's going to be perfect and you're, you're going to live happily ever after, right? But what many of us realize is after going through what we're expected to do, educational and career path, and then actually doing the career, we realize that, man, this really isn't what I thought it was going to be. It's not filling up my cup, and this really isn't going to be a sustainable career path for me. With these particular guests, what I like about their stories, too, is they, they didn't give up on their interests, their hobbies, and their talents. And they actually ended up eventually gravitating to a position of opportunity to be able to apply those things either in a service or a product way that was able to provide income for them. I think it's great. I think that's that's super cool and, and really what it's all about and trying to find that alignment with ourselves and employment opportunities and income opportunities and figuring out how best ways to serve others. Also, another point I want to bring home with these guests is only after taking their risky big jumps outside of their traditional rehab careers to pursue an alternative career path did they realize they were meant to be doing this alternative, unique career path. Meredith mentioned she just really didn't think or believe that, you know, writing was a, an actual legitimate career that, that she could do. And then she started doing it and the more opportunities come and then she's doing it full time and getting paid for it. And because it connected and related with their interests and desires and passions from a young age, it really came full circle for both of them, right? You may be thinking, but Tanner, I don't have any childhood passions or hobbies that I can pursue. And that's okay. Simply by paying attention to your current passions, interests, hobbies, likes, dislikes, and taking opportunities that align with those interests and hobbies, even if they're free and not giving up, ultimately you're setting yourself closer to having a more fulfilled career and a more fulfilled life. And I think the trick is not giving up, being will willing to pivot and change as necessary. As we learned from Lauren's story, she tried a handful of other different hobbies where she was working with her hands and, and doing artsy things, but they just didn't actually end up paying off. And then eventually she got to making dice and you know, the rest is history. So don't give up. Another thing that's important to realize as well is I'm on our reference Carl Jung and Carl Jung talks about our, our persona, our public self, and he also talks about our, our shadow self or hidden self. And, you know, how we want the world to perceive us and what we do to get along with others is this persona, this public self. And our ego regulates the persona with our, you know, versus our real self or the shadow self, this private hidden self that we rarely show anybody or maybe only share to really trusted best friends, significant others, or, or maybe our parents. And here's where the problem lies. If we all show up as our persona, how we want the world to perceive us, and how we show up to get along, what happens when you spend so much time doing that? We forget who we really are. You know, if you pretend to be somebody long enough, you're going to forget who you are. And I think it's important to first have a level of awareness about this. What's really influencing our decisions? What belief systems do we have? What cultural and societal influences are telling us? And first is being aware of that. And then the step after awareness is we can ideally start working towards doing something about it. Because if that 
those pressures and societal pressures and maybe that persona self isn't really aligning with our truest self, our shadow self, then there's going to be some conflicts with our lives and what we're doing and where we're going. So it's, it's definitely something to keep in mind with trying to have life alignment and an ideal career that aligns with you. And what I found out that's a good recipe for life alignment is, you know, what is your why, which is episode 43. And again, I would start back at episode 40 and go through the transition journey just step by step. But what is your why is helpful. Loving yourself, which we'll talk about in the next mini-series episode, which we'll talk about mindfulness, affirmations, belief systems, mindset. And another really important factor is our environments. Our environment's healthy. This can be our work environment, our family environment, our personal environment, and those networks and those relationships that we're having. And this mini-series and this life alignment practices and calls to action and exercises that I'm sharing, it's not whenever we get to that ideal career that we land, that everything's just great and over with. And, you know, we, we no longer are pursuing our interests or desires or passions. Sometimes when we're in grad school for our rehab profession, that the whole idea and mindset is, yes, we just got to finish this, get this degree, pass our boards, and life's going to be perfect and great. And I don't have to worry about anything anymore and I'll have enough money to pay for everything. And, and life's going to be just fantastic. And as many of us find out, that's not the case. And we're also wanting to change and grow and pursue other things. So I think this content is evergreen content and something we can come back to and or keep practicing throughout our lives. Some more food for thought when you know, it comes to looking at a complete holistic life alignment. Some things to think about are our physical health, our mental health, emotional health, spiritual health, social health, habits, belief systems. And like I said, we'll get into some of that in the next mini series episode. And these are just touch points for reference throughout our lives that are always changing and evolving. You know, we're always changing and evolving and our lives are and our environments are, right? When COVID hit, huge change for everybody. And so it's something to just keep in mind. And I think it would actually be pretty overwhelming to try to focus on each of these and work on life alignment with each of these categories. So what I would suggest is focusing on maybe what's the most prioritized in your life right now. And starting from there, working from there and baby steps and don't give up. What are some resources for how do you align your life? We already talked about, you know, the mini series in general, episodes starting at episode 40 and then the what is your why episode and really aligning yourself with the outcomes and the life that you desire is really what we're looking for. And I'm, I'm hoping to add to having more clarity and providing more guidance with the next couple of mini series episodes that are going to be coming out with loving yourself and a healthy environment, but also be creative. This is your life. You are in control of your life. You're in control of your happiness. And if you are in a job that you just hate or it's draining you so much, or you get home and you just have no energy or time for you, yourself, your loved ones, or maybe it's just turning you into something that you don't want to be, then it's not going to be easy, but you are able to make the choices to get you somewhere else. If that's what you want, you'll have to start taking baby steps to get there, right? It's not like it all happens in, in a day or a month even. A simple analogy that I can give is how long did it take us to become healthcare professionals? several years. So I think the important thing is just to start like most things and just keep working from there and keep learning and keep growing. And the information that's out there, use what applies to you and what works best for your life and then leave everything else. Also experiencing and learning from other cultures, 
talking with people who have similar interests and just experiment, try new things. A couple book resources I'll provide as well. There's one called Now What by Laura Fortgang. She's got some good, really thought-provoking exercises in the book. And another Christian approach that can be helpful is 48 Days by Dan Miller. And I actually met Dan Miller at the podcast movement in August of 2023. We had a, a small group breakout session. I didn't actually know he was going to be there or even really recognize his name, but he was there and it was pretty surprising. It was cool to meet him and he, he was a nice guy. That wraps up this episode. So the next episode I'm going to share, I mentioned, is about loving yourself. We'll talk about mindfulness, mindset, affirmations, belief systems. And I invite you to click that subscribe button so you don't miss any of these solo episodes coming out. And something that I'm doing is I'm talking with listeners, the Rehab Rebel community, to better understand the depths of, of this community. And maybe yourself are looking to leave a clinical job or improve your personal finance. And we'll have some solo episode personal finance stuff coming out as well as business stuff as we're rolling out these solo episodes. But maybe you're looking to improve your finances, leave your clinical career, or start your own business. And I'd love to do what I can to help you get there. How I can help you is by thinking through, you know, your next career, financial or business move together and acting as a soundboard, discussing where you're at, what your goals are, and provide any insights and tips from, you know, my experience or the experiences of individuals I've talked to on the podcast, and I'd be happy to help. You can connect with me on Instagram at Rehab Rebels Podcast. You can send me a DM there, or you can go to RehabRebels.org and click the contact tab and send me a message there. Thank you for listening, and I look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Rehab Rebels Podcast. If this podcast was useful, make sure to hit that subscribe button and leave a review. For more information about transitioning to alternative careers, head to RehabRebels.org or follow us on Instagram at RehabRebelsPodcast. We'll see you next time.